everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. Uh, good to see you guys again. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let me make sure. All right, we're all set. Awesome. Everybody have a good week this week? Uh, who starts school not this week, but the one after that? Does anybody? Okay. So, you, so in two weeks, you have two weeks left. Moment of silence for you guys. All right. Uh, Lord be with you. Um, so, yeah, you guys are coming up uh, to school here pretty quickly. Uh, sooner rather than later, you guys are going to be back in school. I know what that's like. I know what that feeling's like. No bueno, at least for me it wasn't. Uh, some of you might like school, and that's, you know, power to you. Awesome. That's great news. Um, now, with going back to school, and even just in general, um, you know, I, I've been teaching in the last couple of weeks with a few things in mind, uh, with an understanding that, again, there's a lot of you leaving and heading out into different places. Uh, there's some of you that are going to be around here, but um, just need to be challenged in certain ways. Uh, at least that's my desire, my hope for you. We got some kids coming up, uh, and because of that too, it didn't make sense too much to start a brand new series so that they would come in the middle of it. But that's given me an opportunity to just teach on a few different topics, a few different things that I think are important for our group. And today, as you can see here, uh, I wanted to teach on and specifically hit on maturity and talk about pursuing maturity and why that's so relevant and important for us. Uh, thinking about this this week because I officially became an uncle this week. Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, my, uh, my little nephew's name is Oliver. Oliver Drew Austin. He's a really cute little baby. Um, his name is Baby Ollie, uh, but I also call him the Layup King. Um, when I was holding him, he just kept going like this. And I was like, oh, dang, look, he's dreaming about being an NBA superstar. But um, little did I know, that's just a little baby reflex that they have. Uh, that's why they wrap them up so tight uh, so they don't keep having those reflexes. That's something that you learned today. You're welcome. Um, but, yeah, it was funny. I was holding him, and before the nurse came in, he went like this like five times. I was like, dang, this, this guy's really having the time of his life right now. But, um but anyways, baby Ollie is not going to be an NBA player. He's going to be a soccer player, um, just like uh, all our family's kids. Um, but anyways, uh, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but baby Oliver, very adorable, very cute. Babies, you know, typically tend to be very cute. Even the ones with the massive heads, they're still really cute. All of them are adorable. Um, uh, yeah, and then stuff, stuff happens. But anyways, babies are really cute. Um, and I was thinking about baby Ollie, thinking about just his life, the trajectory of his life, you know, how we're going to train him to be the next a superstar and all that stuff. And just thinking about his family and what it will be like with his mom and his dad and his grandparents. Uh, I was thinking about my role, you know, being the cool uncle in the relationship. Um, but, you know, thinking about his future and thinking about his perspective on life and the things that he'll be obviously faced with and things that I have no idea what you'll, you'll come across when he's around the age of you guys. 
um, you know, with you guys, I can relate. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you guys went through and go through, and I feel like I'm right there with you, but with his generation, I'm kind of like, you know, kind of out of the loop. It's so far in the future that I can't really see that far and, and see how things will progress, but I, I know that even with your guys' generation, that's still something that I have heavy on my heart and on my mind is, you know, the things that you guys face and the things that you guys go through, um, the things that you encounter on a daily basis. The truth is that you guys are in an age where you're just really bombarded by information. There's a lot of information for you guys. Uh, you know, it's at your fingertips. You can have access to anything and everything. That's amazing in some aspects, but terrible in another way, um, in various different ways. Um, but just thinking about that, thinking about how it's not just information, but it's deception as well. Uh, and unfortunately, the, the problem is a lot of us and most people, they'll see all this and, and they won't be able to either have the skills or the ability um, to actually discern those things, to discern what is deceiving and what is harmful. Uh, because a lot of the times it's very harmful to you, but it's painted in a way that it's not. Uh, you're given this information, you're told these different things, and they're made out to seem like this is something you should strive after, that this is good, that this is what you want, this is the best thing for you, but when in reality it's not. And so today, as I'm thinking about, you know, certain advantages, but also disadvantages of your generation, uh, I just wanted to highlight a few things and talk about what maturity looks like, because the honest truth is that right now our culture pretty much is like a right-side-up kind of culture, meaning it's completely in contradiction to what God is really teaching us. A lot of the times it's direct opposite to what God says is what culture says is the right thing. Um, you know, there's uh, an, an absolute truth, and then culture says, no, there's not. It's whatever you want to believe, that's what's true. Or, hey, you have to do this and, and, and say and, and act like this. And then culture's like, no, you do whatever you want. And you have to be accepting and, and, and conform. And you, this is what you have to do. And it, I'll be here all day talking about that and getting into the details, but you already know this. And so we see that there is a uh, uh, conflict there. They, they don't align a lot of the times. And again, we have to be able to discern what that is separate the two in order to live the, the lives of, of Christians that we're called to live in the Scriptures. But what happens is, although we have the opportunity to be different, to live like Christians, a lot of the times, right, because this world tends to reject the things of God, um, we kind of accept it. We just sit back and, in, in a, I guess in a way of speaking, get our hands dirty or get involved. You kind of just sit back and embrace it, maybe sometimes, or just kind of be passive about it. Um, I think that's a big, big problem, the temptation of being passive, passivi uh, passivity. Um, it, it's not right, like you, you see a problem and you see that the world is obviously in ruin and it's full of evil, but you, you take a step back and say, like, well, that's not my problem. That doesn't involve me directly. I don't need to be a part of that. I don't have to worry about that. Um, you see people that don't know the Lord and say, well, I know the Lord, so I'm okay. Um, you, you just feel like, you know, obviously the temptation is there, but you feel like 
you're okay and that you don't need to be involved. And we think that, okay, well, this is for me. Um, it's not my problem. It's all good. And if that's not the case, maybe you're on the opposite end of the, the spectrum. Maybe you're, you complain about it and you, you get mad about those things and you are aggressive instead of passive and you're not in between where you should be. And uh, Sometimes you could even get aggressive and actually not do anything about it either. But that's not where we want to be. Now, I feel like that's, that's a danger with, with us, with our youth, is just kind of conforming to everything. Kind of just accepting it for what it is and just kind of siding with this, oh, your truth is whatever you want to believe, and, and kind of just going along with that. When in reality, we're called to be different, to make a difference, to be salt and light of the earth, not to be whoever, just part of it, and, and just blend in with everybody. We stick out, and we're supposed to. And that's our calling. And that's what God says for us to do. But a lot of the times we have to ask ourselves, how am I living? It, does that represent me? Does that reflect my life? When I look at the people I'm around, do I, do I look different? Am I different? And this is where I want to challenge us this morning in thinking about being mature believers and to grow up. You know, I, I mentioned baby Ollie because I think this is a good place for us to start today. I want to look at a few different pieces of scripture um, and, and kind of address this and tackle this in a few different ways. But I think an important lesson can be learned here when we look at 1 Corinthians 13, 11. And it will be on the screen. And we're going to, like I said, go through a few different scriptures as well. But they'll all be uh, on the screen so you can follow along. Here's what it says. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. You see, the difference here is that a child and an adult are different, correct? Right? Children are beautiful. They're a beautiful thing, even, even when they're all wrinkly and all that stuff. It's a beautiful thing. It's adorable. A child is a precious thing, and I, and I know that we were all babies here at one point. We were all little kids. Um, but growing up, you know, obviously your parents, they change your diaper. You know, as a matter of fact, when I was at the hospital, by the time I got to the hospital, I think my brother-in-law told me that he had changed baby Ollie's diaper like four times already. And it's not even been a whole 24 hours, probably not even been half of that. And he's already flying through diapers. And that's the reality of it. They are totally dependent on their parents, right? As a baby, that's how it is. You really can't do anything for yourself. You're totally reliant on your parents. But as you get older, you know, you go from having to have your parents change your diaper to this, you know, taking you to the bathroom. Or now not changing you and dressing you, but uh, laying out clothes for you or helping you pick out your clothes and now you start to dress yourself a little bit. You get into different things. You start to talk, and you can actually communicate for the first time. You know, at some point in your life, your parents hold your hand. And even prior to that, they carry you around everywhere. And then you graduate to sitting in a shopping cart seat. And then you graduate into walking around holding your parents' hand. And some of you unfortunate kids, maybe you had a backpack with a leash on it. Um, that always freaks me out, by the way. That's, I never understood that. But... Now, picture here this for a second. That is totally acceptable at that age, right? If there's a little kid and we see that, 
it's kind of funny, but we understand it. It makes sense why there's that level of, of caution and, and care for a child. But imagine, imagine if you right now were walking around a supermarket and you had a backpack with a leash on it and your parents were holding it behind you and carrying you everywhere, you know, you know picking you up and carrying you around the, the, the mall or this and that. I mean, for the, most, for the most part, they probably couldn't even do that if they wanted to. Um, but imagine that for a second or imagine... You know, you're at Disney and they're doing it or they're holding your hand or you're at the mall and you're like, hey, dad, can I ride in the shopping cart? Um, and you're trying to squeeze your, your legs and your arms through the, it just doesn't make sense, right? What was once acceptable for you at a certain age, you, you leave that stage. You don't stay there, right? It's not something, it's not something that you do. That's ridiculous. It's weird. If we were to see that, we would be kind of taken aback when we wouldn't take that seriously. The reason being is that in that relationship, things change. The relationship changes, right? You mature. The intention is for you to grow up out of that phase. And in the same way, maturity is necessary for you as a believer and in your spiritual life because a child is not a child forever. A child is different than an adult. Children don't stay children. And in the same way, when you think about uh, your relationship with God, from the point in which you are saved until the day that you get to go into eternity and spend an eternity with God, those should be two different people. The gospel, the word of God, it should change you. From the moment that you're saved, you know, you obviously inevitably pass through these different stages of childhood, but you don't stay there. You are called to be men and women of God. And I think this is important that we address this and look at this because this will preface our time again in going forward as we think about a society that I believe is, in a lot of ways, very immature. Uh, we have a society that I think, and even I'm at fault to this in a lot of ways, can be prone to being immature, to thinking that way. Um, you know, it's funny, obviously, every time we hear the, you know, prior generations say, and I know every single one of you have heard this, back in my day, yada, 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 yada. Um, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, well, back in the day, they used to do this and this. You should do this and this. Um, that's not what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm not trying to tell you, hey, you guys should fake your age and go and listen to war. That's not what I'm telling you. Um, uh, that's, that's different. We live in a different day and age, right? It, it's a completely different culture. It's a different time. But I'm also saying, you know, there should be a pressing need for us to mature. You know, if, if all you're making, you know, you're just thinking about yourself, you know, with your money or, you know, you're just buying stuff for, for leisure, for pleasure, whatever it is. I mean, just throwing your, throwing your earnings away or staying at home, not worrying about your future, not thinking about what you can do, being proactive. Um, I think, unfortunately, we live in a day and age where we are very immature, 
And it can be uh, a tendency for us to do that, to not take responsibility, to want to go out into, um, to take responsibility, in whether it's serving in a serving capacity or um, in, in duties or whatever it is, but just being comfortable. I think that's, that's part of it. It's because we are in a society that is uh, very consumeristic. We have it so easy. Everything just comes to us. You, you kind of naturally, when that happens, just become very immature. You don't have to fight for anything. You don't have to work for anything. Everything just kind of comes to you. And that's an amazing thing. We're in a privileged area, and we live in a privileged country, and it's a, and it's a privilege. But I think there's a quote that I think m- makes sense here, and I think rings true. That's something Paul Washer once said, and it's not his quote specifically, but it's quoting an old saying, and it's, difficult times make strong people. Strong people make good times, and good times make weak people. I I think at your age, I think we are in desperate need of of having some urgency and to to be willing to mature and, and to grow in your faith. No, I know it's there. I know there is inside each and every one of you in this room a sense of wanting to be mature. Because I've seen it and I've experienced it. But a lot of times when I was in your age, I wanted to mature and do things that I'm not talking about here. When I wanted to think about being mature, I was thinking about, hey, I want to go do this and this because I'm mature enough. I'm old enough. I'm old enough to drink that. I'm old enough to go do that with this person to go hang out here, go, go do these things, to watch this. I'm old enough, I'm responsible enough, I'm an adult enough. I can do these things. And so for a lot of things, I know you want to be mature to do that, but how mature do you actually want to be when it comes to following the Lord and taking the calling that he has for each and every one of your lives as a child of God seriously? That's, that's something that we have to really be honest with ourselves. We all have that innate desire to be mature, to kind of have our own things, to be responsible for ourselves, but to what extent and to what capacity? It doesn't mean that being a mature believer means that you kind of forfeit your joy and your fun as a, as a high schooler. I'm not asking that. I'm not saying that that's what God is even calling you to, that you have to dress up in a suit and tie every single day and come here and you have to work a nine to five as a high schooler. Um, that's not what it is, but it's understanding, right? As we've been reading through Romans, and we've been studying this um, throughout the last couple of weeks, and we're continuing that. And so I invite you to come to that, by the way, on Wednesday nights here at 7 p.m. We looked at chapter 1 together, and this is what it said. It It reminds us of this perverse world that we live in, but it talks about how Man has rejected God, the one who not only made you, but he sustains you. I want to challenge you and encourage you at the same time in knowing that to live for God is not necessarily easy, and it's not. Um, But although we have to live amongst opposition, right, we we live behind enemy lines in theory, Um, we have to listen to God and what he calls for us to do. For example, listen to what he says here to Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah is at a point right now where similarly he's complaining and he's whining and moaning 
and talking about how can the wicked prosper? How can in, in such a perverse world, you know, these people get away with such things? He cries out to the Lord, and the Lord answers Jeremiah in Jeremiah 12, 5. He says, if you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are not, or you are so trusting, what will you do in the thickest of the Jordan? He's challenging him here. He's saying, hey, hey Jeremiah, b- buckle up. Because if you think this is hard, <laughs> just watch. This is only the beginning, and things will only continue to get more difficult. And if you're already moaning, if you're already complaining about the aff- afflictions that you've faced, what will you be like when things get worse? Maturity is necessary because things don't get easier. So it's so important for you guys to mature now. It's so important for you guys to take your, serious, uh, your faith serious now. A lot of the times we have this idea of saying, well, let me just enjoy life, and I'll get back to this God thing later. Let me, let me do certain things. Let me focus on my athletic uh, side of life. Let me focus on my friends at school. Let me focus on where I'm going to go to college because that's a priority in my life. And we kind of leave God by the wayside. But that's not the case. That shouldn't be the case. God should be the priority, and he should be dictating that and driving all of those things. God should be the center of our lives. And this is a great opportunity for you guys to grow and mature in your faith, to learn, to cultivate these habits, disciplines in your life, to get accountability. Right? Like Jeremiah was challenged here, things will only get harder in your life. Trust me, I'm a few years ahead of you. Things don't get easier. You, you right now, you don't got any bills you got to pay. You don't got a, a mortgage you got to pay. You don't have a husband or a wife, another person, another part of you you have to care for. It's not just for yourself. You're going to have to care for somebody else one day. And hopefully you have kids. And you have kids you got to care for now. You have responsibilities, work. It never ends. Maybe you go back to school, Right? So that piles on top of it. Things will continue to happen. You'll take on more responsibility and spiritually as well. Now you're not just focusing on your own relationship with God. You're not just, you're not just having that as, as like an individual thing, but now you're the head of a household. Or, or women, you are now uh, alongside your husband. And how can I spiritually care for this person? How can I, how can I encourage them and push them towards Jesus? Things get more complex and difficult as life goes on. Don't think that if you, if you just kind of let things happen now, you'll figure it out later because you're only going to get yourself in a more difficult situation. As opposed to starting now and at your age, being able to make an impact in the people around you. Starting today. Starting at the point where you establish that relationship with the Lord to take that serious. To live for Him. If it's hard to live for him now, imagine when you go out and you leave to go to college. Right now you have your parents who tell you, hey, come to church. You have the people here at church, me, and the other people that hold you accountable, pushing you towards Jesus, encouraging you to walk with God. But what happens when you leave and you don't have that? You think it's going to be easier for you to follow God? 
when there is not accountability around you, when there is not discipline from the church, if it's hard now to prioritize Jesus, if we have a hard time giving Jesus our all and following him, how will it be when things get more difficult? When, when all of a sudden you're cast out. Let's say you choose to follow Jesus. What happens when you're slandered or abused for that? Will you still follow him? When, when being a follower of Jesus means that um, you have to choose whether to be a part of something or not, to be excluded, to, to choose to fit in or to, to follow Christ, even to the point where it means uh, you know, suffering or even death, is that something that you're willing to choose? Are you willing to put him first? Are you willing to follow him? And like I said, things only get more difficult. Being a follower of Jesus, his disciples, he told them this. He, he warns them that things will get progressively more difficult. It doesn't get easier, but he has already overcome evil. He has had victory over evil, so we can as well. But we have to choose to follow him. It's not unusual for us to face suffering. I want you to know that you will face suffering and that you will have to endure certain things and that there will be trials in life that is unavoidable. As a matter of fact, if you don't face suffering, if, if you are not um, going through these you know, trials, if you're not going through these things, that's unusual. If, if everything is perfect in your life, that's the strange part. So when we are faced with these moments, when we're in these positions, how will you live? Will you choose to follow the Lord? Because if so, you have to prepare. You have to prepare and you have to mature in your faith. You have to prepare and be equipped, go forward. And again, not passively, like we said. Not passively, but fighting. Being on the front foot, being proactive, not reactive. Uh, Paul says here in Romans 2, another passage that we read, uh, verse 7, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. You know, Christians are called to love. We are called to love one another. And that's a, a mark of a Christian right there. An actual sign of maturity is how we love one another. But love should not be misinterpreted. Love doesn't mean to uh, be passive. It doesn't mean to conform or to fear, to cowards. You know, when, when Christians are confronted, a lot of times they cower away or they're, they're, they're protective in fear. And they don't want to offend anybody. The gospel is offensive. You have, to, you have to be willing to stand on what is true and not conform and 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 make way for certain things that the world will say you have to incorporate or believe in if your faith is going to be acceptable. That's not what God says. That's not what he is saying here. It's not what Paul is saying. He's saying that we should live a life to receive glory and honor from God. From God, not from everybody else in this world. It's not to receive the approval of man, but from God. But is that who you're living for? Who do you live for? 
Are you seeking honor from God as he's saying that we should be doing? Or is it of people that you're more concerned about? To be accepted. And, and as you look at history and you look at time and you look at uh, people as time goes on, men and women who have given their lives, who have spent their lives devoted to their careers, have given everything, sacrificed everything to be the best, forfeited so much, and for what? For what? Again, if you're living for the Lord, if you're living for the, for the world, if you're living for the world, men and women have spent their entire lives building up nations. Think back to your history classes. Time and time again, a new empire comes up, and then boom, another one comes and crushes that one. Another empire rises, and then that one falls. It crumbles. Time and time again, despite people's best efforts, they labor their whole lives to build something up just for it to crumble or wither away. Nothing in this world lasts. A regime will rise just for another one to conquer it, for something new to come up. There's not an empire, right, that hasn't crumbled away. Nothing that nobody has ever built that hasn't. Nothing that you can chase that will satisfy your every need. Beauty and success, we all know that stuff withers away. It fades away. There's no prize in the world that you can obtain, that you can earn, that doesn't corrode. It doesn't decay over time. So why live? If that's what you're living for, if that's all that you're concerned about, there's no point. It seems hopeless because it is. But if you know the Lord and have a relationship with him and you are living for the Lord, there is hope. And we know that there is an answer. And your life does have meaning. Maturity is necessary because your life does have meaning. God, God has a purpose for your life. We see here in Romans 5, and we went over this this past week. It says this in verse 2, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God of God. There is eternal glory. There is living for a king in a kingdom that does not end. You can live for things of this world that will fade away inevitably because you take nothing with you when you go, but if you choose to live for the Lord, you're living for something that never ends, that is eternal and is everlasting. Everything in this world perishes. No matter who you are or what you have, no matter how much money, success, riches, beauty you have, it goes away. Psalm 103, 15 through 17 says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. So what are you going to live for? There are people in and of this world that would give everything. 
they forfeit everything. And they change their entire lives. They change their diet. They change their livelihood. They change their living places, their homes, their schedules. They do everything. And they spend years training for something to just show up somewhere to win a medal or whatever it is, a prize for that not to last, for, for it to, at the moment that they die, be absolutely meaningless. People devote their lives to this. Look at athletes, look at people who do anything to accumulate wealth and, and to build these Fortune 500 companies. They give everything and they dedicate their lives to this. And yet us as believers struggle to do the same for God. There's a quote from Paul Washer again, and he says this in his book called Preeminent Christ. And I'll start to end with this. He says, if we look at people in certain secular situations, it should be a rebuke to us. A man will literally lose everything to amass wealth, and we can't lose anything to gain wealth in heaven. A man, like I said, trains for the riches of this world. He spends time dedicating it, his life to this. And we struggle to train and discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. For the gospel. To receive glory and honor from God at the day in which we stand before him. Again, don't think that God can't use you and he can't do something incredible with your life because of your age, because he can. You have to be willing to be used by God. And you're at the pivotal age in your life where you have to make that decision. Nobody is going to make that decision for you. Are you going to live for the Lord or are you not? You know, this whole sitting on the fence thing, it's, it's no good. I want to challenge you to take your faith seriously, to pursue the Lord, to get to know him intimately, to say, hey, God, how, how can I be used by you? Here are my hands. Here are my feet. Here, here are my gifts, the things that you've given me. How can I serve others with this? Instead of just waiting around, sitting around, and prioritizing other things. How will you live? This morning, I want you to ask, how will you live moving forward from this day on? How will you live? Who will you live for? When you understand your calling, all you do has meaning. All you do has reward. You are passionate because of the one who died for you. You are able to have discernment and understand what he does or wants for you. And you have hope. Because you know that there is something greater that is to come after this life. That everything that you do matters. That there is meaning to everything. Understand what the Lord wants for your life and do those things. But in order to know those things, in order to understand those things, we have to know Him. You can't know what He wants for your life if you don't know Him. So spend time understanding and holding fast to his promises, his goodness, his beauty, his love for you. And let that be what carries you uh, as faithful servants. Not your own strength, but his. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for this time. Thank you for uh, just your word that challenges us and, and sharpens us and um, 
encourages us. Father, I pray that today would be a day that for a lot of us, we would be um, just challenged to jump off that fence, to choose, Lord, whether we're going to serve you, to live for you, or to just live for the world. Lord, as we see today, Lord, as we understand very clearly that if we choose to live for the world, everything is fleeting. It may last for a moment. It, be, it, it may even be satisfactory. We might even enjoy it for a time, but Lord, we know that all of that withers away. Lord, that that is a hopeless life, but we have hope in you. We get to choose, Lord, as children of God to live our lives for a king and a kingdom that never fades. Lord, we we pray this morning, Lord, that those who know you would make that decision would understand their calling, Lord, and continue to grow in their faith, to mature in their faith, Lord. And if there's somebody in this room that does not have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray that they would. They would know what you have done for them, Lord, through your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to die for their sins, Lord. I pray that they would be repentant of their sins and turn to you and choose to follow you. And from that moment forward, Lord, that they would dedicate their lives, devote their lives to you, to train and discipline their lives for your honor, to receive glory from you. Lord, we thank you and we pray all these things in your holy and precious name. And everybody said, amen. All right, hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much.